Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Rob Lindstedt is back revealing from Scripture more mysteries of God, and we'll take a look at some important headlines from the end times. We are less than a month away from our summer virtual prophecy conference. Ten different speakers, all online and all on demand. Watch when you want, as often as you want. From July 15th to the 24th, you'll have complete access to special sessions by Michael Hoggard, Kamal Salim, J.R. Church, Larry Spargimino, Rob Lindstead, Noah Hutchings, Micah Van Hus, Doc Marquis, Ambassador Henry Cooper, and Eric Barger. Register today for the Summer Virtual Prophecy Conference by visiting the events section of our website, swrc.com, or by calling one 800 652-1144. A mystery in the New Testament is something that had at one time been hidden but is now revealed to God's people. Here is staff evangelist James Collins and Dr. Rob Lindstead ready to continue revealing the mysteries of God. We have with us again today Dr. Rob Lindstead, the Executive Director of Sunrise Christian Academy in Wichita, Kansas. Dr. Lindstead, welcome back. My pleasure to be back with you again today. Well, yesterday we only briefly touched on three of your 11 mysteries of God that you present in the DVD set. Let me quickly just run through the list of mysteries. The mystery of the incarnation, the mystery of the divine indwelling, the mystery of the union of Jews and Gentiles, the mystery of the seven stars among the candlesticks, the mystery of the kingdom of heaven, the mystery of the blindness of Israel, the mystery of the rapture of the church, the mystery of the church as the bride of Christ, the mystery of iniquity, the mystery of Babylon the great, and the mystery of the restoration of all things. Last time we were talking about the mystery of the rapture. Today I'd like to pick up with the mystery of the union of the Jews and Gentiles. We read about that mystery in Ephesians 3. The Apostle Paul says, "...how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery..." And then he goes on to say that Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Help us to understand that deep, profound mystery, Dr. Linsett. This is a fun one, let me tell you. Because let's just take the days of the apostles in the first century. Well, there was a hated race, and that hated race, it was still the Jews. And today, guess what? The Jews are being persecuted again. But what was taking place there, the Jews even referred to the Gentiles as dogs. There would be times when they would say, okay, if you're a Christian or if you're a good Jew, you can't eat dinner with a Gentile. Now, we've seen 2,000 years later, this turned around, and the persecution goes both ways. In my file, I've got hundreds of articles that show the anti-Semitic feeling that's that's sweeping the country. We know that it's going to increase in the last days, and we're watching it, even in our country. The discrimination, race against race, it's, it's so prevalent. But here's what the Bible says. He said, here's a mystery. The Jews and Gentiles are going to be one. In other words, in Christ, this is, again, is one that we find in, in Ephesians chapter 2, in Christ Jesus, you that are sometimes discriminated against, you were far off, you're made near, you're drawn close by the blood of Christ. In Christ, there's no racial distinction, 
There's no class distinction. There's no nationality distinction. All distinctions disappear in the body of Christ. That's an incredible mystery. And it goes on. Ephesians chapter 3, just a chapter after the verse I just looked at, it talks about this. Together we're joint heirs. Gentiles and Jews are going to share in the greatness of God. What, what we have in store for us is incredible. Can you imagine if, let's just say that here's a, a rich father, and this rich father gives to his, his son, he says, you know, here's, here's your fortune, here's your inheritance. Now, here's an adopted son, and the adopted son comes, and the father says, you know what? I'm going to make you an equal heir to all my fortune. That adopted son would say, wow, can you believe? Now, don't feel too bad for the first son, because you want to know something? This father's so rich that he couldn't spend all his father's money anyway. That's a picture of us. God the Father, his wealth is infinite. So here he's going to give his heir, his inheritance, to the Jews, and every Gentile that's a believer is going to enjoy it as well. Next, joint heir, then joint body. He doesn't make a body for Jewish believers and another one for Gentile believers. He doesn't make a body for Canadian believers and American believers and South American believers. No, we're one body. Mm -hmm. I'm the same body with every Arab believer, with every Indian believer, with every Canadian believer, with every American. We're one body. And when it's one body, we take care of each other. Then, joint promise. Every promise is made to, one believer is made to another believer in the universe church called the body of Christ. What a mystery. You see, all the way back, even if you go back to the story of Abraham, remember Ishmael and Isaac, there was discrimination. If you go back even to the flood, there was discrimination. But when God sets up his kingdom, and when God has us enjoy our eternal abode, we're going to have joint body, joint air, and be joint promise. That mystery was revealed in the New Testament, and, and you know what? I love it because I can be treated and I can treat others the way Christ would have them to be treated. The fourth mystery is the mystery of the seven stars, which is found in Revelation one twenty, which tells us that the mystery of the seven stars are the seven churches. Now, Dr. Lynn said the church had already been revealed, so what is the mystery here? Well, I think it's the church in the last days. Because when we look at these, the mystery of these seven lampstands, I think of what it is, what's the message of it? And so here's how I like to think about it. These seven churches, there were more than seven churches. There were maybe ten times as many or a hundred times as many. Right. But historically, these represented seven actual churches. And then typically, they represented the local churches in every period through the church age. Mm-hmm. Prophetically, chronologically, what we see is that they revealed, here's how it was going to be early in the church age, like the church at Ephesus. And then the next one, like the church at Smyrna, the, the suffering church, and, and then Pergamon, and so on. And then when we come toward the end of the church age, it's going to be like the church of Laodicea. And so it's a progression through the church age. In other words, we know how things are going to exist in the professing church all the way through from the time it began which is Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the church was born. And we know it's going to end 
when the church is raptured. And the picture of that is a mystery. Why? God is revealing, here's how it's going to be through church history. Then the last one is spiritually represent individual believers. In any local church, there are these seven kinds of people there. There's some, in, and they're lukewarm. They're neither hot or cold. It's hard to tell, are they real or not? That was like the church at Laodicea. There's others, and they were like Ephesus. They left their first love. There was a time when they were excited about the things of God, and now it's kind of put on the back burner. You know, Maybe sports is more important, or education is more important, or my business is more important. And they've left their first love. They're born again, but they've lost the priority of, of this. And so these represent seven different aspects of any believer. And you know what it does? It, it makes me examine my life. I don't want to be one that's left my first love. Right. And I don't want to be one that's lukewarm because God says he's going to vomit them out of his mouth. Mm. I'd rather be like the church at Philadelphia. Little but powerful and little and looking for the power of God to energize me. Without God, the church at Philadelphia couldn't have done anything. But with God, he opens the door that no man could shut. That's what I want to be a part of. I don't care about how big or little it is, but I want it to be God that opens the door and closes the door so we know exactly that we're in the will of God. Dr. Lynn said in the video, you teach the mysteries out of numeric order. So the next mystery is mystery number eight, the church as the bride of Christ, which we find in Ephesians chapter 5. And the Bible says there, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Would you explain that mystery? This is a pretty exciting one. And the reason I say that is because the special relationship that we have with Jesus Christ is that we're called the bride of Christ, and he's called the bridegroom. And the analogy really is, is like that of a Jewish bride. He'd look for a bride. If he didn't find one in his hometown, well, he'd leave his father's house, and he'd go to a, another city. And when he found a woman that he wanted to be his bride, he'd propose to her father as well as to her. And to seal the deal, more or less, he would drink a cup of wine, and he would promise, I'm going to be back. And then he would leave, and he would leave for some time, and no one knew for sure when he would come back. But, but when he came back, he was going to claim his bride. Normally what would happen while he was gone, he was building a house for her to live in. And that house would be in his own father's house. When that house was done, he'd come back, and he would usually at night, he'd come maybe to the window of, of her house and say, ready, and she would disappear with him. And then seven days later, all of her family and all the other witnesses, they would go to the father's house of this bridegroom, and that's where they would be introduced to the bride and the husband. They had already been married for seven years. They were husband and wife. And so the mystery of the fact that we are the bride of Christ, it pictures Jesus in such a wonderful way because, you see, he left heaven. He could have had the angels as his bride. He could have had any created being as a bride. Instead, he said, no, I'm going to take humans. I'm going to take mankind. And even though they sinned, well, I'm going to send a redeemer for them. And so he came to earth he saw us in our sin-fallen condition. He died for us to redeem us, to make us a suitable bride. And the thing that's wonderful about it, he said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to claim my bride. He left. He went back to heaven. And remember what he told his disciples? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in my Father, believe also in me. He said, if I go, I will come again. 
And so he, he's back in heaven preparing our honeymoon cottage, and he's going to come. And I think that's the rapture of the church. And when he comes, we're going to go back with him, and we're going to be in heaven for those seven years. After the tribulation, we come back down, and he's going to introduce us to the world, and the world's going to say, wow, that's where they went. When they left suddenly, that's where they went. They, they went to the honeymoon cottage. And once we get a dose of heaven, and once we see all the glories of heaven, it's going to spoil us for any desire that we had on this earth other than for our bridegroom. And so what a great picture it is. And so that mystery is that we are so linked with Christ that we are the bride of Christ. He's the bridegroom, and we're the, the bride. And this is another reason why I don't think the church goes through the tribulation. Can you imagine a bridegroom who loves his bride? Can you imagine having her beat up for seven years before he marries her? Absolutely not. He's going to take her out of that judgment. He's going to take her out of that wrath of God. And so I think this idea is, again, a wonderful proof of the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. It is certainly a beautiful picture, the picture of the bride. But our next picture that we have is kind of a sad picture. It's the mystery of the blindness of Israel. Tell us about that mystery. The reason why this is such a a sad one is because we look at the history and we see this taking place. How could it be that there would be people that would live in the same city as Jesus and they wouldn't follow him? Because think of the miracles he did. Think of the teaching that he had. And so Romans chapter 11, it talks about the fact that there's going to be blindness in part. It shows that God knew that it would come. And he even says this, that they're going to have eyes, but they're not going to see spiritual things. And it even says that they're going to have a stumbling block. And that stumbling block, because they're blind, they they stumble over this rock. But this rock is the very one that's the foundation. This rock is the one that's going to come and, and smash the image of Daniel. And it's going to dwell forever, and it's going to grow and fill the whole earth. And it's upon this rock that he's going to build his church. And so Jesus is referred to all the time as is the rock. He's the rock of ages. He's the stabilizing force. And yet the mystery is this. When he was so close, even among them, why would they reject him? The Bible said that this is what would happen. Why? Because they became blind to the promises of God. Here's what they thought. They thought that they could figure out a way to do it on their own. And they didn't need Jesus. They didn't need a Redeemer. And so I think the result of this is what it says in Romans 11, that because of this blindness, God says, fine, then I'm going to graft in the Gentiles. And so he grafted in those of us that are not Jews, and we get the privilege of being part of this body of Christ and part of the promises of God. God's going to open their eyes. And many of them will have their eyes opened when it comes to the the tribulation time, because the Bible talks about the fact that in the tribulation time, they're going to say, wow, look, look what we've done. Look who we rejected. But two-thirds of them are going to be cut off. Only one-third, the Bible says, will enjoy the promises of God as they could have. And so even Jeremiah talked about this. God made an everlasting covenant with them. He'll make a new covenant with them, with the house of Israel. He hasn't given up, but it's going to be a tough time because... Their blindness was predicted by God. They knew, just as they rejected the prophets, they would reject Jesus Christ. 
Our next mystery is the mystery of Babylon the Great, found in Revelation 17, 5. And that is a profound end times mystery, isn't it, Dr. Lindstedt? That one is so important. We could have spent two programs just on this. Yes, sir. But what is interesting there is the mystery of the woman. In other words, the force of evil is going to be revealed. And what's interesting about it is says this mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, the abomination of She's the mother. In other words, things that, that came, she gave birth to. The evil that was there, I think it's talking about really the evil that was there at the Tower of Babel. It was an attempt for man to do things his own way. It was an attempt to say, we can become our own gods. And that attempt, that evil that was there, he said, it's going to come back again. Here's what's interesting about this mystery. It's introduced in Genesis chapter 10 and 11. Again, in the book of Zechariah, it talks about a vision where there's a, a woman, she's trapped in an ephod, in a commercial basket measure. And said so it's wickedness. It's going to come back to the original place. It's going to spawn again. And then you find this woman mentioned in Revelation chapter 17. And what we find is that God says, here's how I'm going to judge that evilness. Just as it was judged in Genesis, God scattered the nations. It was judged in Zechariah's day. It will be judged in a final day. In Revelation, it's going to talk about this judgment that's going to come. And that judgment is, is horrible because it talks about a place of spiritual desolation, a time when 21 judgments come upon the, the earth. Yet this woman, up to the very last, it says this, that she sits on many waters, and it says the waters are the nations of the world. She commits fornication with the kings. The rulers are going to be abusing the common people. She's full of blasphemy, and yet she's decked with precious stones and pearls. She's wealthy. All these things, abusing people, and she takes delight in the blood of the saints, in the martyrs of Jesus. And you know what? She pretends to be religious, and yet she's nothing nothing at all in terms of godliness and God says I'm going to judge it and I think we're watching that take place so much of what is called religion today and belief system today it's not of God it's just the elevation of man and so God's word shows how from Genesis all the way to Revelation his judgment is consistent there's a price to pay for ignoring God for doing our own way Babylon paid a great price the woman's going to pay a great price because she's going to say, no, we can do it this way. They can commit spiritual fornication with the kings. They can have all the politicians lined up together. It doesn't matter. The plan of God will prevail. And so the mystery of iniquity in this woman, I think we're going to see the beginning of that as we see the beginning of the tribulation just around the corner. Get the complete two-day presentation from Rob Linstead on the Mysteries of God on CD when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. The Mysteries of God by Rob Linstead is a four-DVD set that contains over six hours of teaching. In this dynamic set, Dr. Linstead explores the 11 Mysteries of God. Order Mysteries of God today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online, swrc.com.
Being informed is important. Knowing how that information fits into God's plan is essential. It's time for Headlines from the End Times with Dr. Larry Spargiamino and James Collins. Welcome to Headlines from the End Times. In the days of the Old Testament prophets, God said to appoint a man to stand guard on the wall. The watchman would scan the horizon for signs of danger. When an enemy was spotted making advances on the city, the watchman would sound the alarm. Each day, we see more and more signs that point to the soon return of Jesus Christ. Join us now as we seek to make sense of the nonsense and sound the alarm of the truth of Bible prophecy in current events. Our first story is from Washington, D.C., where last month the Biden baby formula crisis worsened. The out-of-stock rate hit 70%, nearly double the rate from the previous month. Things are so bad, California parents are now traveling to Tijuana, Mexico to purchase baby formula. And in Michigan, they are waiting in lines over a mile long to get baby formula for their children. As the baby formula shortage continues to worsen, baby formula makers and the head of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration continue to face bipartisan grilling on what led to the national crisis. Nobody seems to have a good answer. This is your country under the Pelosi-Biden regime. To help make up for the shortfall, the Biden administration has started flying in tens of thousands of pounds of baby formula from abroad in what it calls Operation Fly Formula. Now think about what that means. Americans are now like some third world country that is dependent on other countries for aid. Lord, help us. In a related story, mysterious fires continue to destroy America's food processing plants. The latest fires are part of a trend that began earlier this year. On February 5th, a massive fire swept through Wisconsin River Meats in Mauston, destroying part of the facility. On February 22nd, the Shears food plant in Hermeson, Oregon caught fire after a propane boiler exploded. On March 17th, a structure fire destroyed the Walmart Distribution Center in Plainfield, Indiana. On March 22nd, a fire that broke out at a Nestle Hot Pockets plant in Jonesboro, Arkansas, caused damage to the facility and forced it to close. On March 25th, officials believe a deep-frying machine is behind the fire that destroyed a potato processing facility in Belfast, Maine. Then on April 13th, firefighters from several departments in Maine helped battle a massive fire that destroyed a meat processor in Center Conway, New Hampshire. On April 14th, a plane crashed into an Idaho potato and food processing plant, killing the pilot and destroying the plant. On April 22nd, in Covington, Georgia, firefighters responded to a plane crash at the General Mills food processing plant. Then on April 30th, a soybean processing plant caught fire at the Purdue Farms in Chesapeake, Virginia. So far in 2022, over 30 food processing plants have been closed because of so-called accidental fires. Now, are we supposed to believe that what we're witnessing is just one tragic accident after another? We aren't supposed to see any sort of pattern, and we aren't supposed to ask any questions. People sure are getting careless these days because accidents just keep happening time after time after time. And all of this is taking place at a moment in history 
when we're being told that we are about to enter an absolutely horrifying global food crisis. During the recent testimony in front of the UN Security Council, the CEO of Grow Intelligence warned that the lowest grain inventory levels the world has ever seen are getting even lower. Sarah Menker said, quote, It is important to notice that the lowest grain inventory levels the world has ever seen are now occurring while access to fertilizers is highly constrained and drought in wheat-growing regions around the world is the most extreme it's been in over 20 years. Similar inventory concerns also apply to corn and other grains, close quote. In other words, there isn't going to be enough food for everyone. I am not the one saying that one-fifth of the global population is heading into poverty and hunger. It is the United Nations that is saying this. Our last story comes to us again from our nation's capital, where President Joe Biden recently signed a law mandating that all new vehicles sold after 2026 must be equipped with electronic kill switches. These switches could conceivably be used by government officials or even hackers to seize control of one's car without permission or oversight. Oddly enough, the law was essentially hidden inside of the administration's LGBTQ plus friendly $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that was passed late last year. The kill switch law would potentially allow law enforcement to shut one's car off remotely and also to track the car's metrics, location, and possibly even passenger load. The mandate was included under the pretext of helping to cut down on drug driving while also preventing high-speed chases from occurring. These kill switches are a privacy disaster in the making. And I should also add that this law is disturbingly short on details. What we do know is that the safety device must passively monitor the performance of a driver of a motor vehicle to accurately identify whether that driver may be impaired. Everything about this mandatory measure should set off red flares. If and when this law is enacted, why shouldn't the federal government seek the same control over bicycles, skateboards, scooters, or snowmobiles? And what about our refrigerators? Should similar technology be mandated going forward so that they won't allow us to get more than, say, 48 ounces of soda from them in a 24-hour period? Should they only allow us to open refrigerators a certain number of times per day for each person residing in our households in order to prevent obesity? Where does this end? I think it ends in a society indistinguishable from those in a dystopian novel such as 1984. I think it ends with Big Brother, the New World Order, and the rise of the Antichrist. That will wrap up this edition of Headlines from the End Times. For Dr. Larry Spargimino, this is James Collins, leaving you with the words of the Apostle Paul, who said in Ephesians 5, 15, and 16, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. The Mysteries of God by Rob Lindstedt is a four-DVD set that contains over six hours of teaching. In this dynamic set, Dr. Lindstedt explores the 11 Mysteries of God. Order Mysteries of God today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. 
www.thepowerofprayer.com. Have a wonderful weekend, my friends, and be encouraged. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Visit swrc.com.